Oh, I love Brother Tim. There are so many times that I don't feel very enthusiastic and he can I can hear him say, Thank you, Jesus, just out of nowhere, and boy, I get fired up, man. <laughs> just singing your praises, Brother Tim. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Glad I wouldn't say nothing bad about him. <laughs> Oh, man. Praise God. Amen. Let's see where to begin. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, I come to You right now, Lord. And God, this is Your Word. This is Your message. And I ask that You will give me the words to say. And I ask that You anoint me right now, Father, that I can speak in ways that I couldn't speak on my own. And I ask that You... Just begin to prepare the hearts and minds of those that are here, Lord, that they would receive this Word, that it would be good for them, Lord, that they would be edified by it. And Lord, I just ask that You move right now. Lord, I don't know how to begin. I don't know what to say without Your help. And I ask that You move in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let's turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. In a minute I'll tell you why I'm starting here. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, we all know this as being the the beginning of something great. We all know this as the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, right? This is that the thing that Jesus promised would come after Him. He told them to wait and tarry there in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. But you know what? why I picked this verse? To me, this is the, the singular most important verse when I start to talk about revival. This is the thing that comes to my mind first. Is to me the best example of revival. Because what happened with these people? They were sitting there. They were, they were being obedient. They were waiting and praying. And they had one mind about what they were doing. And as they began to pray and seek God, that promise that Jesus made was fulfilled and the Holy Ghost was poured out. They were revived. They, were, they received power, Right? What was the power for? The power was to go out and fulfill the commandments that God, that Jesus had given them to do. He said, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until you receive that power. <clears throat> so when I think about revival, that's what I think about. We need a revival in our spirits. 
I don't know about y'all, but man, I go through dry times. I feel dry, I feel washed out, and I need a revival, right? What does revival mean? I'm not talking about... You know, most of us as Christians, when we hear revival, we think about what? We think about a set of services. Typically lasts somewhere within a week. Everybody comes every night. And it's good, right? That's not what I'm talking about today. The definitions of revival. Okay, let's look at that. I'm going to get you all in a minute, so just hang on. This definition, man, I've got five different ways you can define revival here. And they're all, to me, really telling about what it really means. To bring back to life or consciousness. To resuscitate. And you think about that in physical terms. What happens when someone dies and then they're brought back to life? What happens? They all of a sudden become aware of what's going on around them, right? They are back to what they were and what they should have been mentally, right? You don't think of someone as being brought back to life if their heart just started beating, but they never snap to. I don't. When I think about someone that's resuscitated, they, you know, they, they snap to, right? The second one is to impart new health, vigor, or spirit. New health, vigor, or spirit. The third is to restore to use. I mean, I love this one. To restore to use currency, activity, or notice. Now think about that for a minute. See, we all have a purpose as Christians. And when you're dry, washed up, incapacitated, you're unconscious, unaware, and then you're revived, guess what? You become useful again. So to restore to use is... Man, I think one of the most important things because we have a church of people that claim to be Christians, right? But if we're not revived, if we're not, uh, if we don't have a living spirit within us that is full of power, we're of no use to the Father. Now think about that. You're of no use if you're not alive. If you can't hear, and speak, and move, and do things, what good are you, right? Number four is to restore the validity or effectiveness of. How many of y'all would love it if your Christian life was thought of as valid? Right? I don't want people to look at me and think I'm a joke. I don't want people to look at me and say, he's all talk, no action. Right? That's what that talks about. To restore the validity of. The last one is probably the most common that people think of. To renew in the mind. Right? To renew in the mind. Okay, we got the boring stuff out of the way, y'all. 
I got to get that out there. I want you to understand what, what, what I'm talking about when I talk about revival. This is um, something that happens on a personal level. And praise God, I hope it happens church-wide. But see, it has to take place in your heart and in your mind. It's not a blanket that just automatically includes you because you attend this church. That's not the way it works. Revival has to take place in you. You have to be revived. So, what's needed for a revival? This is where we're heading. See, there's <clears throat> there really is a formula for this. You know, there's a whole lot of things with God that you can't really apply a formula to. Because God just does things because He wants to and He can. Right? But you can apply a formula to this. You can look at that Acts chapter 2 right there. And you can see a hint of that formula. The first thing is you must be in one accord. Right? We have to be of a like mind. John, I don't read the chapters for Sunday school beforehand just because. (laughs) We were talking about this in Sunday school today. Being like-minded with other Christians. We have to be of one accord. You know why that's important? Because your faith needs to unite with others. If there's division, if there's those that are resistant to what God wants to do, what does it do? It pulls others down. They begin to look around and maybe Jerry is somebody that I really look up to and, and I see he's not all that concerned. And Well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be concerned. Or maybe uh, he's my running buddy and we, after church we talk about, eh, I ain't worried about all that stuff, you know. And he begins to pull me down then. Because he doesn't agree for whatever reason. It doesn't matter. But he's not of the same mind. Now I guarantee y'all that's not Jerry, okay? But I'm using him as, a, as an example. I want you to see that it's important in every aspect that all of you get this mindset. Get this understanding within you. And you know, if you don't want it, just keep your mouth shut. See? You don't have to worry about tearing somebody else down. Just keep it to yourself if you don't want to be revived. Why you wouldn't want to, I don't understand, but that's between you and God. But you have to be of one mind, one accord. This is the toughest one. See, it's easy to get some people to agree. It is. Hey, y'all want to do this? Yeah, well, what about this? Why Why couldn't you do, you know, you start giving some examples. You can get some people to agree. But you got to be prepared. See, if me and John decided we was going on a fishing trip, and uh, we both showed up, and neither one of us had a boat, because we thought the other one was bringing a boat, Neither one of us had fishing rods and tackle because we thought the other one was bringing it. We're not very prepared. Guess what? We can't go fishing. 
We have to be prepared, people. And I want to share a scripture with you about what I'm talking about, about being prepared. Because you see, these people in um, Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost were prepared. Okay? How were they prepared? First of all, they were being obedient to what Jesus told them to do. He said, you wait right there until you receive power. What did they do? They gathered together. And they waited. Isaiah 59 and 1 and 2. 59 verse 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither His ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. You see, sin can prevent revival. Will prevent revival. Sin that you hang on to will prevent God working in your life. I know it's a lofty concept. But guess what? God don't want anything to do with sin. He don't want a part of it. But you know what? It's not just sin. It's not just sin. There's other things that can come between you and God. There's other things we allow to come between us and God. And on the surface, there is nothing wrong with them. I like to use TV as an example because I know that's one of my big challenges. Too much TV. There's nothing wrong with TV, y'all. But TV comes between me and God quite often. Because I don't know when to shut it off. I don't know when to say that's enough. I don't know when to say, not anymore tonight, it's me and God. You see, those little things, even though they're perfectly innocent, I'm not even talking about watching things on TV you shouldn't watch. I'm talking, man, you can sit and watch the Partridge family all night. You can sit and watch uh, uh, the crucifixion of Jesus all night. I don't care. Those things can get between you and God, and even when they're innocent, because you put more time and effort and focus into that instead of God. All of these little things prevent you from being prepared. You see, those people there on the day of Pentecost, why were they there? Were they there for entertainment? Were they there because, well, that's where all their friends were? No. They were there because Jesus told them to wait. You know why they were waiting? Because they had great expectation of what God was going to do. You see, Jesus made a promise. And they were wanting to see that promise fulfilled. They put Him first. They put His promise first. They put what God was going to do first in their life and they put everything else on hold. Everything. They stayed right there and waited. Do you know how long they waited? Over ten days. They sat and waited for God to move. That's determination. That first or second day, if God hadn't done anything, I think I'd be ready to go. You know? Well, maybe maybe I misunderstood. Maybe 
he didn't really mean it this way. Maybe he meant this. You know, my mind would start circulating. I would start trying to reason. But they were prepared. They'd already set everything aside. Y'all know, we ain't jumping and shouting yet, but just hang on, okay? Next thing. Let's go back before we forget. Must be in one accord. Must be prepared. Focused on God. You know what I like to think of when I think of that? Fasting. It's the first thing that comes to my mind. So when I fast, not only do I usually fast from food, but I fast from those other things too that can get in my way. Try to focus strictly upon God. The third thing is we must join together in prayer. And that's what we're going to do Wednesday. If you want to fast, man, more power to you, fast. But we're going to join together in prayer on Wednesday. We're going to begin to pray for revival in our hearts, okay? The last thing is we must want it and expect it. How many of y'all want God to move in your life? Man, I, I desire it, right? I desire it in a great degree. But my problem is those other little things I talked about that get in the way, you know what they do? They pacify me. They pacify me. And before long, I begin to lose that desire for things of God because I'm pacified. Just like a baby, you give them a pacifier. Why? Because you don't want to feed them right then. Maybe it's not time for them to eat right then. You give them that little something to suck on and it's good enough. It gets them by for a while. Right? That's what all that stuff I'm talking about was about. How you prepare yourself by, by putting some of that stuff aside for a while and focusing on God. And you know what happens when you draw close to God? He draws close to you. <laughs> Man, it's amazing how that works. It's amazing because every time I begin to set aside special time for Him, I begin to pay special attention to Him, I begin to focus on Him, He comes. He spends time with me. He begins to work in my life. And my desire for Him begins to grow. And if I <clears throat> don't, allow that other stuff to get in the way, guess what? I begin to want more of Him. I begin to expect to see God move in my life. All of a sudden, that little pacifier doesn't mean anything because I'm looking to God. So we have to want it. We have to expect it. I don't know about y'all, but I want to see God move in this church, not just because of the, the little feeling I get when God moves in. What did we say back at the beginning? I'm going to go back and I'm going to read part of one of the definitions to you. To restore to use. I want God to use me. I can't be used if I'm not revived. And guess what? Even if one or two of us have it, 
We ain't much good without the rest of us. Right? That's what a church body is about. You come together because there's strength in numbers. Because your faith is united with other believers. We all have different callings, different talents and abilities. And God uses those things to reach people for His kingdom. That's our purpose here. To reach others. I want to be restored to use, right? I need to be revived. I need to be on fire for God. Desiring Him to move in my life. In order to do those things, we need and must have a revival in our spirit. Y'all, we used to have prayer meetings when I was a kid. And you know, I really don't know how to run a prayer meeting. I don't know that you need to run a prayer meeting. But we had prayer meetings. And you know what? We saw things happen. Because we gathered together, and you know what? There never was a person there that said, mm, I don't know, uh, you know, sour at no. There wasn't a sour attitude. That's why we came together to pray with others. You know, there's a reason why <clears throat> Jesus said that if two or three agree upon something, that it'll be done. Because that faith is stronger. You you work you build off of other people. If I if I we're praying and I begin to hear somebody else praise, it makes me want to praise. We build each other up in faith. That's what we do. That's the whole point of us coming together today. But do you know we can prevent revival? We can prevent it. Time after time after time, I've seen churches prevent revival. They would have a revival service and then revival wouldn't take place. You know, there's some churches that have a revival service annually. Same time every year. But how many times does revival really take place? Oh, they go to some good church services. One or two people here and there might get touched and might get a little something or recommit themselves to God. Man, it's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But how many times is there a true revival in their spirit? How many times are they truly put back to use and made of a valid person in the kingdom of God? See, I don't want to be on the other side. I don't want to be wasted. I don't want to be taking up space, just no purpose. I want to be used by God. Why? Why do I want to be used by God? Why do you want to be used by God if you do? There's nothing better. Time after time, I've had to do something for God. Somebody forced me into it. And after I did it, I said, man, why did I dread this so much? Why did I not want to do this? Because all I got out of it was good. It was a blessing. 
And my flesh was, mm, I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. I got other things to do. I'm, I'm too tired. Come Wednesday night, some of y'all are going to say, I'm too tired. I'm too busy. I got too much to do tomorrow. I have to get up early. You know what? You're going to miss out on a blessing. Those of you that come are going to leave here with a blessing. You know why I can say something like that? Because I have great expectations. In Sunday school this morning, we talked about faith and hope. The Word tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's what hope is made of, is faith. You see, you can't have hope without believing that God can do something. And y'all, I believe with everything in me. I believe it's in 2 Timothy. It says, I know who I have believed in. And I am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I commit unto Him against that day. You see, God is able. Are you persuaded He's able? Do you know who you believe in? You see, do you really know Him? Because if you know the same God I know, you know He's able. And you know He's faithful. And you know He will answer prayer. Especially when we unite together. You see, there's been time after time I've prayed for something on my own. And I never saw anything happen until I united with somebody else in prayer about it. We didn't have to be standing side by side. I can give y'all a handful of examples just right now. <clears throat> and being deliberate about your prayer. It's easy to say, I'm going to pray for you. And then, oh Lord, you know, you know their need. Uh, We've got to be deliberate about our prayer. That's what coming together in prayer does. It makes you deliberate about it. You are saying, I am here to pray. I've put everything else aside right now. We're going to pray right now. Y'all, we may not be here 30 minutes Wednesday night. We may be here three hours. I don't know. But I guarantee you, when we come together, God's going to move. God is going to move. That's what His Word says. First, it says He inhabits the praise of His people. And it also tells us to come together. Not forsake the gathering of ourselves together. So y'all come Wednesday night. Look, I'm not... I can't even tell you everything we're going to pray for. There's sick people in our church. They need prayer. Our church needs prayer. We, we, need, we all need prayer to be able to rise above our flesh and to step out into the world and not be afraid, but have boldness to proclaim the praises of our Lord. Nobody wants what you have if they don't know it's good. There ain't a single one of you that has got a new car that you really enjoyed, that you've driven for a month or so and just everything's perfect on it and you don't tell nobody about it. There ain't a single one of you. Every one of you would say, man, you have got to check out that new Model X 75. 
It is awesome. And here's a list of reasons why. The price is right. It's got all these features. It's fast. Just down, you can tell everybody all the things you like about it, right? And you ain't ashamed. I see people bicker back and forth about which is better, Ford or Chevy. And you can't convince the other one that they're wrong. Right? You can't do it. You don't ever hear people talk about God like that. And usually when they do, what are they called? Fanatics. Are y'all fanatic about your, about your car? Some of us are. Are you a fanatic about your God? You see, fanatic's not necessarily a bad term. Do you really want and expect God to move in your life? It's easy to say, man. It's real easy to say, especially in the presence of others that are saying it. But will you say it in the presence of those that don't know God? Ask yourself that question in your heart today. You see, I I know the answer for myself, and sometimes yes, sometimes no. You know what that tells me? I need a revival in my spirit. If I was alive like I ought to be, if I was revived and on fire and full, you can't stop me, man. You can't stop me from talking about it. Just like having that new car. First thing I want, oh man, y'all check out my new car. That is nice. I love it. I got a new phone. I can't stop talking about my phone. I love it. What about what God's done in my life? What about those kind of things? Do I want to tell people about that? Sometimes. Sometimes I'd, I'd just rather keep my mouth shut. I don't ever have a problem telling somebody about something I bought. <clears throat> but it's the things that are freely given I have, a tr- I have trouble with. So what can prevent revival? A lack of interest or concern. Some of y'all leave here today and say, hmm, whatever. Maybe it'll be better next week. Unbelief. Some of y'all don't have enough faith to believe what I believe. I can tell you, God's going to move. Why? Is that blind faith? Call it whatever you want to. I believe my God. I believe my God. Third thing is our own self-centeredness. That's why I said a while ago, I'm too tired, I'm too busy. I got too much going on. I'll get them next time. That's self-centeredness. You know, sometimes that I'm too tired, I'm too busy is 100% correct. I'm not telling you you're lying. I'm not telling you you're making this stuff up. But I'm telling you there comes a time when some of that doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter whether you're too tired, whether you're too busy. Sometimes you've just got to make time for God. Sometimes you've got to put you, your family, the things going on at work, the things in your life aside and say, right now, I'm going to spend time with God. God's the most important thing. Y'all, who's your provider? God is. Not your job. Not your family. See, my kids look to me as the provider, but I'm not the provider. God is my provider. So, you know what? I can I can take a little time for Him. That self-centeredness gets in the way a lot. In all of our lives. In all of us. We've got to watch that. Before... You know it, you put the creation above the Creator. Y'all stand with me this morning, let's dismiss. I want to say uh, the plan tonight is to have church, but uh, I won't hold it against you if uh, you're afraid to get out on the roads. I understand. I don't have to get out on the road, so I'll be here if you want to come. Brother Jack, do you have something to say? You sure can. Yes, come on.